We are in the Gospel of John. Um, if you can believe it, this is the 25th week uh, that we've been studying the, the Gospel of John together. Uh, we are uh, just uh, slightly over halfway uh, in our study of the, of the Gospel of John. So thanks uh, for sticking with me here. There are Gospels of John out in the foyer uh, that you can pick up, and there's notes that are inside uh, your, uh, your bulletin. If you're watching today on our website or on Facebook, we, uh, we encourage you to, uh, to look at the Word of God with us and study it with us together um, as we look at John 12, 12 through 50. Thanks for being so encouraging to uh, Pastor Brian uh, as he preached last week. I was watching uh, the 1030 service last week, and uh, he did a great job, and I really appreciate uh, his message uh, to us last week. He's kind of continued this series uh, along with us. He started uh, in the Gospel of, of John chapter 12. He did the first uh, 11 verses there, and if you are uh, if you uh, remember what he talked about there, the woman that came and anointed Jesus' feet and... Um, just dried it with her hair and how scandalous it was and the call that we have uh, to serve Christ. So today, uh, we are in a section of scripture that is moving into this final week of the life of Jesus. Maybe that's hard to comprehend a little bit because we started with uh, in the beginning was the word uh, and in a very broad way. Uh, but now we are coming down to this last week of the life of Jesus. Palm Sunday is, is in this section that we're looking at today. And Palm Sunday was always also called Jesus' triumphal entry. And as we look at what happened on this day that begins the last week of Jesus' physical life while he was here on earth, we are going to get kind of a look into the heart of Jesus Christ. You know, some of the most exciting scripture that we can look at in the Bible, don't you love it when we look at Lazarus? I mean, what now? I just got all blessed. I couldn't hardly even get over uh, our Sunday uh, with Lazarus. And we love these miracle stories or these, these incredible moments that we have uh, with, with Christ. And, and those are fun Sundays. But I don't want you to, to overlook some sections of scripture that maybe you would read through real quickly. There's not a story or a parable, but it really is about grasping the heart of Jesus, listening to what, how he responds. Uh, so there's, there's no miracle stories in our section of scripture today, but it's a reminder to us that we get the opportunity to have a look into the heart of Jesus. He's going to face uh, during this week, some of his, his greatest crises. Uh, and I don't know about you, but when my heart is in crisis, I feel really tested. Uh, I feel like um, that's when it begins to show uh, what we are really like. You see what's important. You see uh, who we are. You know, we're all kind of like tea bags. When they pour the hot water on us, what's in us really comes out. <laughs> right? When the heat comes on, there are circumstances or problems or needs that we have. Uh, that kind of is like that hot water, and it comes on us, and it reveals the truth of what is inside us. And so here is Jesus. His heart is going through a crisis. Uh, you really begin to see what he's like and what's important to him, especially now at the beginning of this last week of his life. What's happening in the heart of Jesus? And we're going to see people asking him questions, and then he gives an answer that doesn't sound like it really relates to the question that was asked. You know why? Because he's, he's responding to what's going on in his heart. 
Uh, he's responding to what he's thinking about. It does relate, but it relates to what he's thinking, what is on his mind. So we get a chance today to see the heart of Jesus. We're going to see him talking with great passion and fervor about what's important to him, and we're going to see him struggling in his heart. In fact, as we look at Jesus' heart, we're going to be able to look at what we can do with our own heart when we are in crisis. What do you do? What Jesus shows us as we take a look uh, at his heart. So notice uh, right in the middle of your outline, there is a little chart that I gave you, uh, a chart that talks about the, the final week of Jesus. Now, we're not told exactly through the scripture what happened on every single day. It's not like the Bible gives us a play-by-play, -play, but you take the gospel of John and the other gospels together, and we can understand some of what is taking place in the last week of Jesus. So Sunday, we know, was the triumphal entry uh, and uh, a healing that took place in the temple. Um, on Monday, we see that Jesus cleansed the temple. Now, if you've been in this study with us, you know that Jesus cleansed the temple earlier in the book of John. Uh, and we saw that and we talked about the, the drama of that moment uh, with the people he was ministering to. Now, uh, there's a cleansing of the temple uh, in the last week of Jesus and it happens on that Monday. On Tuesday, uh, we can kind of put together some of what we're looking at today. The Greeks want to talk to Jesus. We're going to see that. He's teaching people and confronting the Pharisees who were the religious leaders of the day. And uh, he's talking about the second coming of Christ when he's teaching about that, his second coming. Uh, Wednesday, we don't think there's a whole lot going on, probably resting because of what Thursday through Sunday was going to be for him. Thursday is the Passover meal. Uh, the Lord's Supper is shared. A lot of teaching that happened around that table that John tells us about that we'll see in the weeks to come. And Jesus is arrested either Thursday night late or early Friday morning. Uh, Friday is the trials, the crucifixion, the burial. Uh, Jesus' body is in the tomb. On Saturday, we know from the scripture that he tells us that he's doing other things, that he's preaching to the Spirit and all of that. Uh, and then on Sunday, we have the resurrection of Jesus. Um, so it all starts this, one, this last week with the triumphal ent entry uh, as he comes into uh, Jerusalem. It starts in 1212. It says, the next day, the crowd had come for the festival, heard that Jesus was on his way. They took palm branches and they went out to meet him shouting. Would you shout this? Ready? Hosanna, he says. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the king of Israel. Uh, so, uh, you know, we, we, we talked about what John is up to in this scripture is helping us to understand that he is getting more and more focused. He started real broadly, and now he's getting more and more focused on what Jesus is thinking about and what's happening in his life. Uh, so the further that you go into the book, the more magnified what Christ is doing happens. So he emphasizes um, during this first week, we have this triumphal entry, uh, and then it goes on for him as he's talking about the, the teaching that he has for the disciples. When, when you see this triumphal entry, you notice that it was a public demonstration that recognized the greatness of Jesus Christ. In fact, it's the only 
public demonstration that Jesus allowed. You remember every time they wanted to make him king, every time they wanted to do something like that, he always disappeared or moved away uh, from them. People have tried uh, to do that. And now he's with probably half a million people, maybe more, that are gathered for this Passover festival. In uh, Some people have come from Bethany that saw the raising of Lazarus and say that they've gathered. And it's an incredible day. The palm branches are waving and the people are excited. And Jesus gets on this little donkey and begins to ride on it. Well, is that what you have, would have done on your triumphal entry? I don't think so, would it? Uh, gotten on a donkey, I don't think that's an accident. We're going to see that. Uh, but it, it, notice that Jesus had made preparation for this. We know earlier in the other gospels that he made preparation for this little donkey to be available. Uh, so why, why we would call this the triumphal entry? We look at it and we say, uh, wow, here they are. It's Jesus. Uh, it's a triumphal moment. Um, but my, my first point here today is to tell you that when you look at Jesus' heart, Jesus had a broken heart. Jesus had a broken heart. Now, we might think that he would come along and say, hey, 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 I'm here. Now's the time. But he doesn't say that. As a matter of fact, uh, these people are quoting from Psalm 18, 25 to 26. It's a part of the Passover celebration. They would sing these songs of, uh, of Hosanna about a conqueror that would come. But look at Luke 19 says, but as they came closer to Jerusalem and he saw the city of ahead, he began to cry. Eternal peace was within your reach, and you turned it down. He wept, and now it's too late. Remember, we just saw uh, John eleven thirty five. Jesus wept uh, over the grave of Lazarus. Uh, but here he is again. He's coming in, and we would think this is this triumphal moment for him, and everybody uh, is celebrating, but Jesus is weeping. Jesus is weeping as he comes in. He had a broken heart. I mean, if you look into the heart of Jesus at the beginning of this last week, he had a broken heart. He knew that they were celebrating, yes, but much more they were expecting. They were demanding that he be this kind, a certain kind of Messiah. They were expecting that he would come and take over a political kingdom. But you know why he came? He came for personal redemption. The transformation of every heart. And he begins to say, you missed it. You missed it. You missed out on what was happening. So he had a broken heart. Another thing that we notice here is that he had a humble and obedient heart. Verse 14, Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it as it is written, do not be afraid, daughter Zion. See, your king is coming, seated on a donkey's colt. At first, his disciples didn't understand all this. Only after Jesus was glorified did they realize that these things had been written about him and that these things had been done to him. Now, the crowd that was with him when he called Lazarus from the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to spread the word. Many people, because they had heard that he had performed this sign, went out to meet him. So the Pharisees said to one another, see, this is getting us nowhere. Look how the whole world has gone after him. Well, probably not the whole world, but they exaggerated it. Uh, but all of those people there, so many had come after him. But notice, not just the reaction of the people or even of the Pharisees, notice the heart of Jesus. 
What did Jesus do when his heart was broken? We, we see him get on this donkey. I mean, why did he get on a donkey? I mean, if he had ridden in Jerusalem on a stallion, he would have come across as a conquering king, right? That would, have, that would have been magnificent. But he got on this little tiny donkey. As a matter of fact, the Zechariah quote says that it was a colt of a donkey. I mean, let's just be honest, probably about the size of a German shepherd, right? Just, just something small, a little colt uh, that he got on. Um, he didn't say, uh, I'm not ever going there. They're after me. He didn't say, I'm going to take matters into my own hands and try to solve all this. Jesus came with a humble and obedient heart, so he rode in on a donkey. A couple of questions that got, that got my attention was, what, um, first of all, what, what gets your attention? What gets your attention in your life? Is it the shout of the crowd or is it the voice of God? What gets your attention? Uh, you know, the shout of the crowd uh, is usually strong around us, you know, where people are encouraging you to go this direction or that direction, make this decision or that decision, have this value or that value. You know, we have the voice of the crowd, right? It's all around us trying to influence us. But we also have the voice of God. And Jesus' example here is that his heart was listening to the voice of God, not just the voice of the crowd. He was humble and obedient. And another question in what Jesus did, uh, when you and I come to moments of triumph, moments of celebration in our life, do we say to others through our actions, look at me or look at God? I mean, Jesus has been kicked around quite a bit here in Jerusalem, and the Pharisees had said that he was never going to make it, and now he's half a million people are celebrating him. It's like a ticker tape parade, isn't it? They're, he's going down through Jerusalem, and um, the crowd is loud, and maybe it would be tempting for Jesus to say, look at me, look at me. Later on, I'll give God credit, but that's not what he says. He gives all the credit and the praise to God. Do you do that? Is that your habit? You know, it's so easy to do, isn't it? I, I noticed even this, these last couple of weeks, I was uh, you know, praying and praying about a lot of different things, and, and I felt like the Lord revealed to me, you know, that there was something that happened that I was talking about. You know, sometimes you get to talking, and you just talk too much, you know? Anybody else like that? You know, you just get a little exaggerated, or you get a little focused on yourself, or you get a little happy about something that happened in your life, and all of a sudden you're kind of you're kind of bragging, even though you didn't mean to, and and you you didn't really mean to be like that, but there you are, lifting up yourself, pointing, look at me, look at me, look what happened, instead of saying, look at God, look at what God did. Yeah, such a good reminder. Maybe I was the only one that needed that this week, but uh, I'm I'm confessing, and. Uh, but maybe you need to confess as well. It's so easy to get ourselves caught up in our, our own self-interest instead of saying, uh, look at God. Uh, just some examples from Scripture. You remember when Moses was standing on the Red Sea, he just left, let the people of God led them out of um, bondage, and it's in the book of Exodus there, and he's, God is ready to split the sea wide open. You know, he could have said, hey, people, look at me. Look what I can do. He didn't say that. He said, look at, look at God. Salvation is in the Lord. 
So here's Jesus at this triumphant moment, and he's saying, look at God, look at the prophecy, look at who I am, look at at who God has sent to be your Savior. Look at God, don't just look at me, Jesus teaches us that in advance. So he comes to Jerusalem, and he faces this crowd, and there's a big crowd there, and in the scripture, it shows us that some Greeks come along. It's in verse 20. Now, there were some Greeks among those who went up to worship at the festival. They came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, with a request. Sir, they said, we would like to see Jesus. Philip went to tell Andrew, and Andrew and Philip turned and told Jesus. Uh, So we have this group of people uh, that has come. Now, you remember several times where Jesus has been asked by different people who weren't Jews, who were Gentiles. That means the whole rest of the world um, that he's been asked to minister to them. And so he comes to them and he has said that he came for the house of Israel. What that means is that he came to bring their message. And then when they rejected him, then the message would be carried to the rest of the world. Now, they come to Philip. Philip maybe was uh, somebody that they had acquaintance with or maybe his name drew to him. For some reason, they were connected to Philip and they looked to him and they asked him, can we have the opportunity to see Jesus? Now, I don't know why they came to Philip, but something connected them to, to Philip. And then they asked him, could, could you introduce us to Jesus? Well, I was thinking about that. You know, you have something about you that God wants to use to help you introduce other people to Jesus. You know, I don't know why you had this problem. I don't know why this situation happened in your life. I don't know why you had this particular physical problem. I don't know why you had this circumstance with your child. But I'll guarantee you this. God will use the things that happen in your life and bring people to you that you can minister to, that you can connect to, that you can help them understand how Jesus helped you through that need and you can point them to him. You agree with that? I can't believe how many people my wife meets that have had problems with their eye. You know, I don't meet anybody like that. Like that never happens. Nobody ever just come. Uh, but it's like people are attracted to her like they, like they already knew. People come up to her and tell her about this laser eye surgery and all this stuff that she has. I mean, I can see it in her every time. It's like, okay, God, thank you. Thank you for that. I'm sorry I had to go through that, but I know I can go through that. Now I have this opportunity because suddenly she's interconnected with somebody. Like That's how God works in us. There are many people that need to see Jesus and they're going to see Jesus through you. And there's things that have happened in your life that God will use to help you point others to him. What a beautiful scene uh, we have right here. So we have this, this humble, obedient heart of Jesus. Uh, you know, when you and I come to the days of triumph, we're trying to help us not look at us, but look at God, pointing them to Jesus. Now, number three, Number three is that Jesus had a sacrificial heart. Jesus had a sacrificial heart. Uh, so they asked, can we, come, can we see Jesus? Notice Jesus' reply, verse 23. Jesus replied, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Very truly, I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Anyone who loves their life will lose it, while anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, my servant also will be. My father will honor the one 
who serves me. Now, I don't know about you, but um, I notice when, when Jesus is saying that, uh, he is, they ask the question, can we see Jesus? And Jesus doesn't say yes or no. He tells them this story about this kernel of weed that falls into the ground. Does that bother you sometimes? It's like, what? What was the answer to the question there? And sometimes I've, if you're a student of Scripture, you have to think about, uh, kind of dig down a little deeper and figure out what is it that he's responding to. So he didn't respond directly to the question, but he did respond on the basis uh, of what he was thinking about, and he's thinking about uh, sacrifice. Uh, he says... Uh, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Does, uh, he's, he's talking about this um, grain of wheat falling into the ground uh, and dies. And so he's putting it in the context of, of sacrifice. And basically he says, sacrifice comes first. That's what's on his mind. He's offering himself as a sacrifice. Do you know that this scripture teaches that death comes before life? Not death after life, but for Jesus, death comes before life and losing your life comes before finding your life. So he's giving us this example, what's on his mind, uh, offering himself, sacrificing himself. So he uses this idea of a, a kernel of wheat. So I'd like to think, think with me for a second. Let's, let's suppose that you're a kernel of wheat. Um, now, when, when I say that, uh, you can think about it being uh, something that looks really healthy and grown, and it looks really fresh and beautiful. And Jesus is saying, we're going to take this picture kind of from farming, and we're going to plant it in the ground, uh, and uh, it's going to produce many seeds. You know, every one of us can... Uh, have a relationship with Christ, but first of all, we have to die to ourselves. That's the picture that he's giving here. He's saying, I'm going to die so that I can give, I can come back to life again. And he says, I want you to think about yourself uh, as that kernel of wheat. Um, you know, if you take something dead and put it in the ground, you know what we call that? Burial, right? Something is dead and put in the ground. But what if you take something that's alive and put it in the ground. You know what we call that? Planting. I noticed even after one week being gone, the corn had really shot up. Did, have you noticed that this past week? I mean, it's just, uh, you know why that is? It's because you put a seed that had life in it into the ground and it's grown. Something that's, that's alive. Um, now, I've, I've, I've given my life to Christ. Many of you have given your life to Christ. What Christ is talking about here is when you die to yourself, you put something living. You know, the Bible says that we are living sacrifices, giving ourselves. You know, the problem with living sacrifices is that many times when you put them on the altar, they get up and walk around. They don't stay there because we're not offering him something dead. We're offering him who we are, our life, the life that he's given to us. And he wants to bring about that life for us to encourage us. We, uh, I heard about these missionaries. They were serving in this really remote place. And some people that they knew came to visit them, like a, like a trip came to help them out. And one of the responses right from the beginning was, wow, you guys have really buried yourselves out here. This place is really remote. 
And the missionaries kind of looked at each other, and then they responded to this team, and they said, no, 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 we're not buried out here. We're planted here. We're planted out here. Uh, we're planted. And so our burial in Christ, our sacrifice of our life, Jesus said, you know what Jesus' sacrifice was? Jesus was buried, right? But then he was resurrected. Uh, we recognize that he, he brings, that death comes, but it brings life to us. Out of, as we die to ourselves, Jesus is rem reminding us of, of his challenge and encouragement to us. He is a sacrificial God. He is a sacrificial Savior. He is a, has a sacrificial heart for you and me. Sacrifice. And he says, service comes before fellowship and honor. He's, he's reminding us in this section of our uh, willingness to serve and to give of ourselves. We serve, we give ourselves to God. We don't love the things of the world. We love the things of God. Notice he says, the last verse, whoever serves me must follow me and where my I am, my servant also will be. My father will honor the one who serves me. Notice that phrase, whoever serves me must follow me. You know where he's going? A cross. Whoever serves me must follow me. And where I am, my servant also will be. Cross, resurrection, uh, right relationship with the Father, that the Father honors the one who uh, serves him, recognizing his encouragement, his challenge uh, to us. You know, Jesus said, what I'm going to do, the example that I'm showing you, I want you to go there as well. You remember the verse from Galatians 2.20? We are crucified with Christ. And it's not the life that I live in myself, but the life I now live. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I give of myself. I die to myself that he might be lifted up in me, encouraging me and bringing about a resurrection and transformation. Uh, the word of God encourages us. You know, I had one scripture here is from Luke 17. You know what it says in that scripture? It says, remember Lot's wife. Whoever tries to keep his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life will preserve it. Quite a picture there. Um, you know, because most of us don't say, um, I don't want your way, Jesus. I'm not interested in your path. But what we like to say is, I'm trying to keep my eye on myself and on you. I'm trying, you know, I'm trying to, to make sure. I want to follow you, but I'm kind of looking at my, you know, um, that whole picture of Lot's wife. Lot's wife, as they were running away from the tragedy and the, the judgment that was on, going on behind them, uh, that scripture is reminding us that um, God was calling this family away from the tragedy and the calamity and the sin. You know, when Lot's wife was walking away, she didn't accidentally trip and kind of look back when she fell and, all, and turn into a pillar of salt. You know what she did? She turned around and she said, you know, I kind of liked it back over there. I kind of miss some of what was happening over there. And she turned her back on what God had for her, leading, leading her forward. Uh, that's the emphasis that he's talking about here. Losing your life, that doesn't mean that you just become nothing. It means that you die to yourself so that Christ can be exalted through you, that he can shine through you. Jesus had that kind of sacrificial heart. Uh, when you get to verse 27, uh, notice that it tells us that Jesus had a troubled heart. Verse 27, Jesus' words, 
Now my soul is troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. No, this, it was for this very reason that I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice from heaven, a voice from heaven. I have glorified it and will glorify it again. The crowd that was there heard it said that it thundered. Others said an angel had spoken to him. Jesus said, this voice was for your benefit, not mine. Now is the time for judgment on this world. Now the prince of this world will be driven out. And, when, and I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. He said this to show the kind of death he was going to die. Isn't it interesting that, that he says here that his heart is troubled? You might be thinking, well, I don't know about that one, Pastor. You know, but I didn't make that up. I didn't just add that to this phrase. Jesus said that about himself. He said his heart was troubled. I mean, how could the heart of the Son of God, God in the flesh, be troubled? Aren't you happy that he had a troubled heart? Because he can relate to yours. He knows about our struggles, our circumstances, what troubles us. He says his heart is troubled. So how, what does he mean by that? He says, Father, what shall I say? Save me from this hour. No, it was for this reason I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. You know, how important uh, is that? I mean, here he, he, he's, he's troubled and he needs something. He needs the encouragement of his father and his father's voice. Remember, we heard the father's voice before. We heard it in, in, in John 3 when the Jesus' baptism uh, was happening. Uh, we've seen it in Luke at the Mount of Transfiguration. And once again here in John 12. You know, into every, every person's life comes a time when you have to choose between one of those prayers. Will it be, Father, save me from this hour? Or, Father, glorify yourself? You know, I know the prayer that I'd like to pray. I'd like to pray, Father, save me from this hour as you glorify yourself in it. <laughs> right? You're with me. But sometimes you have to decide. Save me or, even though I'm in these circumstances, glorify yourself through it in me. I have glorified you and will glorify you again, the Father speaks to him, uh, as the, the people hear the voice of the Father. Um, and so he prays this prayer that God would be glorified. And in the context of that, 1232 is, is kind of our verse of this whole section. Uh, we're going we're gonna to say it together. We'll say the reference, say the verse, and say the reference again. Ready? John 1232. And I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. John 12, 32. What a great verse uh, for us to think about. Uh, where he's saying the hour has come, the world will be judged, Satan will be driven out, Jesus will be lifted up, and all men will be drawn uh, to him. So he's drawing us to, our, to himself, and he encourages us. Now, as you get to the last, I'm not going to read this whole last section here, but... 34 to 50 reminds you of what that Jesus had what I'd like to call today a settled heart. He was troubled, he was struggling, but he came and he said, here's the truth. I'm the light of the world. God has sent me 
And basically, he's going to be faithful to God. And so he says, walk in the light. Walk in the light. Put your trust in the light. Know that you are sons and daughters of the light. What, what I see here is that um, Jesus has a very settled heart, a settled heart. Is he working through all the struggle and the pain and the crisis of his life? Yes, he is. But he's being an example to us that through your struggles, through your crisis, you can be reminded that God can help settle your heart. Don't you, um, don't you long for a settled heart, a settled spirit that God would give you peace and a recognition, man, it's whirling around you. Everything's going on. All of these different topics and worries and situations, you got plenty. That's why I told you, don't leave it at the door. Let's bring it in today. And let's let Jesus help us to have a settled heart. I'm so glad his heart was troubled and settled so that he could help us to make that move. Do you know that God can settle you? God knows you. God knows all that you're carrying, everything that you're feeling. He knows your troubled heart. He knows what's happening. He wants to bring healing. Wouldn't it be great if you could go to lunch today and say, you know, my heart is so settled. I am in such peace today. Now, new, strengthened. One of the things that I noticed about settling is that it's hard to find settling in your heart, peace in your heart, when you're holding so tightly to the same old stuff. It's kind of like um, getting your oil changed. So you get your oil changed, and you, you never go to the guy and say, I hate to give up that old oil, you know. You know, it's really, you know, that's been in there. It's in my, you know, I hate to let that go. So could you just dump a little new oil in the old oil and let's see if the, how things work out? Your car will not like that. It'll be all gunked up. Because what you have to do is drain out the old. You got to let go of the old so that you can be renewed, refreshed, and healed. And that's what brings settling. You know, your car, you don't hear it, but with your car, when you change the oil, it's going, this is what a good, boy, this is good. Everything is flowing so good. No more clunking along. Settled. Get rid of the old and receive the peacefulness, the settling that he wants to bring to you. So here's how we're going to do this. Would you stand up? I don't want you, um, I don't want you worrying about anybody else next to you. I don't even pay any attention. All of you up in the balcony there. Um, so, so what we're going to do today is um, we're going to kind of have a guided prayer. And we're going to do it this way. Let's think about what has uh, got us all gunked up. 
what is creating a real lack of peace in your life. You don't have to think real hard about that because you were thinking about it when you went to bed last night. It's on your mind. You're thinking about it. Maybe you got, you got worries or you got people or you got situations that you're dealing with. So um, I kind of like, I like posturing. I like, um, I like visual expressions of that. So if you think about, put your hands kind of right here. Now we're going we're gonna to do a prayer today. But what I want you to do is I'm going to mention an area that we're going to pray about. And I want you to take that stuff out of your heart and give it to Jesus. Right? So let's say we're going to talk about things that are worrying us. Um, you are not going to be better off when you walk out of this room if you're still holding on to those same worries. Right? So you got to take those worries, kind of grab onto them. You know what they are. And let's give them to Jesus. So that's what we'll do. Um, so we're going we're gonna to do that. And we're going to say, Lord, settle my heart. Let's practice, all right? Ready? Lord, settle my heart. Um, now, you might, some of you are looking at me like, Pastor, you're nuts. You know, that's okay. But I'm telling you, this is what you need. That's what's happening in this passage right here, is that Jesus is working through all this stuff. But ultimately, he said, he heard the voice of God. Maybe you'll hear that in your spirit. When you turn that over to Jesus and you say, Lord settle my heart. All right, first thing we're going to pray about is our worries. Lord, you know that we have worries in our life. We have problems and situations that we're trying to figure out, maybe things that have just happened or maybe things that have been happening in our life. You know the struggles that we are having, the worries, the problems, and today we don't want to just walk out of here with the same old worries that we came in with. So today, Lord, we want to give you these worries and ask you to settle our heart. So, you ready? Let's grab hold of those worries. You got them? Give it to Jesus. Don't take it back. Give it to him and say those words. Ready? Lord, settle my heart. Ready? Lord, settle my heart. All right. Let's talk about maybe some specific problems you're dealing with. Like maybe, uh, maybe you came in here this morning and really need wisdom about something. You need, to, you need God to help you make a decision. You, you got stuff on your mind, not just worries, but specific things that you need help from God with. You know, once in a while I talk to somebody that feels like they've been praying and God hadn't been giving them an answer. Uh, and I don't know how that all works out all the time, but we keep reaching out to him, giving him our problems and asking him to give me peace, to give me wisdom to settle my heart over this problem that I'm dealing with, right? You think that's possible today? Maybe you've been dealing with it for a long time, and maybe today he's ready to get you on a pathway to give you the wisdom that you need. So, Lord, today we're going to give you our problems. You know what those are. You know the decisions that we've been trying to make. You know the, the, all these different circumstances just been flying around us. And, Lord, we, we need guidance. We need help uh, and wisdom from you. Today, we're going to give you our problems, and we're going to lay them at your feet. And we know that you care about us. We know that you love us. And sometimes there is suffering and difficulties and problems, and we want you to be glorified through us in those situations. So today, we want to give you our problems and ask you to settle our heart in Jesus' name. All right? Let's grab hold of those 
problems. You know what you've been thinking about. You know what you're trying to decide. What is it that you need him to do to give you guidance on it? And instead of holding it on to you, maybe you'll get the answer when you give it to him. So grab on real tight and let's give it to Jesus. Jesus, here's our problems. Here's these things that we're dealing with. And here's what we're saying. Let's repeat that phrase again. Lord, settle my heart. Ready? Lord, settle my heart. Oh, you feel that happening? He's working in this room. Okay, let's let's go a little further. Let's think today about people in our life. Gosh, this is a hard one. You know, I, I can give my worries to him a lot better than I give those people sometimes because I've given him those people and I take it back and I cry and I work over it. But I gotta give those people to God. God's the only one that can solve the problems and the burdens that we have with people in our life, whether it's your marriage, somebody that you live with, one of your children, somebody that you work with in your life, maybe somebody that you're sitting with right here in the sanctuary today where you could give that person to God so that you're not trying to fix everything on your own. Lord, today we give you those people problems that we have. Oh, we have people that we love so much. But we worry about them, Lord, and we struggle over what they're doing and the way that they're living their life and the choices that they're making. And sometimes they just drive us crazy. And so, But we love them, Lord, so much. And we want them to be in a right relationship with you. And we want you to minister to them, Lord, and care for them and draw them to yourself. And, and we pray, Lord, honestly, sometimes we just pray you'd knock them upside the head. But we know that you're going to tenderly work through them. But me holding on to it is not making it any better. (coughs) Help these people in my life. In Jesus' name. All right. Grab hold of them. You know those people? Whoever they are, you can think of their names. Let's give them to Jesus. Turn it over to him. Give them to him. I know you've done it before, but give them to him again. Let him help you have a peaceful, settled heart over these people in your life. Let's say that phrase again. Lord, settle my heart. Ready? Lord, settle my heart. Lastly, anything else that you're praying about or thinking about, um, maybe, you just need to, maybe you just need to get a good handful of yourself, your own problems your own stuff you got going on. Maybe you got some failures or some sinfulness in your life. Maybe your body's not working quite right or your, your mind is all messed up. Maybe today you just need to give yourself to Jesus. That's really what he was talking about when he's talking about be, being buried, dying to yourself, losing you so that you gain him. He has so much he wants to do for you. And your heart will be way more settled if you'll give yourself to him today. Lord, today standing in this sanctuary, we've talked about it. We sang it. God is good. God is at work. God is merciful. So today, Lord, we just give you ourselves. I've done that many times in my life, but I do it again today. I don't want to be all wrapped up in me. I don't want to be wrapped up in just what I want and my agenda and my desires and my frustrations and my complaining. I'm sorry, Lord. When I get my focus on me, 
rather than on you. So today, I give you me again. Take me, Lord, and help me not to live in turmoil and in trauma all the time. Help me to be settled, to be at peace with you. So take a good, uh, take a good handful of you, all your stuff, all that you're carrying. Would you be willing to give yourself to Jesus today? Man, lunch is going to be so much better today, right? Instead of carrying all that yourself, knowing I've given myself to Jesus. So today, turn it over to him. Just give everything to him. Give yourself. Know that you're not holding on to everything. No strings attached. Not, not having to have your way. Giving yourself completely to Jesus. Lord, thank you for today. Thank you for letting us have a little glimpse of your heart so that we could get a better glimpse of ours. Thanks for showing us what you were working through that was leading you to full obedience to your Father. You even admitted you were troubled. So are we. But thank you for settling our heart. I pray this morning for everybody here, all the people that have been participating with us online today, Thank you for settling us. Thank you for peace. Thank you, Jesus, for a settled heart. In Jesus' name, let's all say together, amen. Amen. Praise